are listening to the Jesus Dietrich and Me podcast, episode 31, as we talk about Christ's strength being made perfect in our weakness. We hope that you enjoy today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Jesus Dietrich and Me. Uh, We are your hosts, Pastor Tyler, Pastor Jim from the family of God, and we are back after taking a week break. Hopefully some of you missed us. If not, uh, that's okay. Uh, we had some some things come up last week. Um, maybe you're a listener and you happen to see the the news article uh, about Family of God and what, what God has been doing in our neighborhood. And we had a volunteer that um, was very energetic about uh, sharing what is happening here. And she had a connection at Fox News and... That they came over here, was that Tuesday of mm-hmm. last week? Came over on Tuesday, interviewed both me, Pastor Hill, um, Alex, a couple of our other people. Uh, Susan was interviewed too and put together a, a big story and uh, and it aired Tuesday night, 10 o'clock news. Yeah, and is that E R R E D? Both. It, yeah, aired and erred. Uh, yeah, that was, that was interesting because the very next day, uh, starting about 6 30 in the morning, um, my phone, my phone started buzzing. It started ringing, and by the end of the day on Wednesday, I had pro- approximately eighty to ninety into the hundreds of phone calls. And by the end of the week, um, it was well into the into the hundreds, probably close to two hundred, um, to the point where I actually I was like, man, I'm gonna get exhausted of of telling these people the same thing. Uh, I changed my I had to change my voicemail message and all that fun stuff. Um, but just to just just show how great God was, we had a need for uh, for some winter winter needs, things like hats, gloves, and things like that. And I uh, got put on the news, and the outpouring of love and uh, donations from people uh, was was actually incredible. Uh, to the point where we had to actually say uh, stop because <laughs> we don't have room for these things. Um, but it turned out to be a great thing, and everybody that that we that we had to explain that to uh, so far very very kind in that. Um, and just recently, they did a follow up story, and hopefully that's going to be airing this week, um, where uh, we get to to share that you know we're grateful for everyone, and uh, here are some other ways that you can donate. So because uh, there are other things that that we can that we can continue to that people can do to serve and continue to be involved in and. It's not just clothing related. So again, we were really grateful for that. Um, we were a little frustrated just because of the <laughs> the way that everything was portrayed. We said no clothing because we've tried doing clothing before, and it just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work very well in our context. And what's the headline say? <laughs> Family of God needs clothing, and I'm like yeah. I'm looking at it, and I'm like, no, <laughs> you we don't need all the clothes. Well, we. In the past, we've got interesting clothing donations like one left shoe, right? Bow ties, high heel shoes, suspenders. Yeah, well, yeah, all the things, all the things that that get kind of brought to us a lot of the times is when uh, you know Grandma Jones uh, passes away, and we have to <laughs> we get we become the uh, I say benefactor, but I don't yeah. think that's the right so, word. Uh, we're, we're, they were asked, hey, uh, my grandma died, can you use these clothes? And, you know, we've had to really adjust our ministry as, as time has gone by and we've morphed into, you know, a different entity and kind of what that, what that looks like. But um, grateful for the support of everyone. Um, it's always, always good to have too much than to have too little. Um, so we were, we were grateful for all of that. 
But now it is time to dive back into the reason that we have this podcast, talk a little bit of Dietrich, talk a little bit of Jesus, talk a little bit of you. Uh, after after taking some time uh, just to kind of adjust, because like I said, last week was absolutely bonkers crazy, trying to adjust and, and get um, get things back on track. Uh, we're, we are back in the saddles. So, so Is it cold out it there? Is, it, <laughs> uh, yes, and we are not in Texas. Uh, we are in Detroit, where I believe it's warmer than Texas. Um, yes, it is a frozen tundra. Yesterday got dumped with foot of snow, roughly, yeah. give or take. Um, nine to twelve. Nine to twelve. Out yesterday with the shovel, shoveling the sidewalks here. And after you, after you got back from your uh, second anniversary trip to see what? Yeah, I went to the ice sculptures up in the UP, frozen in the upper waterfalls. peninsula, all the frozen waterfalls. <laughs> watching people do some ice climbing. That was fun. It was a good trip. You, you, the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. If you haven't been, you should go. Yeah, um, but it's supposed to be cold up there. Yes, it was. It was minus. It was minus ten ish, I think, when we were up there. Uh, I remember that my car almost didn't start on Sunday morning uh, or uh, Monday morning. We were driving back, but uh, yeah. So we were out uh, yesterday, and I told I told Tina, one of the one of the women that that works here, I said I'm gonna be outside for a minute. So I'm gonna try to find somebody, flag them down, and uh, again. Uh, found found a guy that was eager to to, to s- do some snow plowing and uh, he kind of dug us out in our in the back of our of our parking lot. So grateful for that. And um, yeah, so it's cold. It is very cold. Uh, our numbers have been a little bit down recently, which has been a little frustrating for us. Um, but I just read an article not too long ago uh, of a of a gentleman who planted a church in New York and they just recently had to close their doors. Um, it's because COVID, he, they have tried to open back up after COVID, and um, the first day of worship that they had, they he, I think in the article he said that they had only a handful of souls, and they ended up having to having to close the doors. But one of the things he specifically remembers about that last service, there was a woman that he had been he had been talking to and catechizing, and she came up and received the Lord's Supper for the first time, and it was just a reminder that you know the. The church is not the church success is not based on well two things the church is not ours right it's not Pastor Hills it's not it's not mine it's it's not this gentleman's church it's Christ's church Christ is going to do what he wants through the church and there's no such thing as an insignificant church and churches like Family of God churches like uh, like his church in New York you know the, these are these are churches that you know even though they're smaller. You know they're making an impact, and I think we we just recently saw this, and we shared this on the last episode uh, with with somebody like Jesse, somebody that comes to Family of God, and his life is turned upside down for the better because he encountered the living, risen Christ here. Um, you know, and the woman who took the Lord's Supper for the first time at his church in New York, you know, she encountered the living, breathing Christ there, and that's going to continue to grow. And who knows what that works? So even it's it's been a battle, I think, because we're used to having what eighty to a hundred people to come in, even just. Mm-hmm. Even just up until the the cold weather happened, you know we were still seeing you know those those kinds of numbers, and now our I mean we our numbers have have dropped under fifty, which is which is very odd for us. We're hoping that today maybe maybe a little bit more because everyone's dug out of the snow and um, and it's Ash Wednesday, so happy Ash happy Ash Wednesday, blessed Ash Wednesday. We'll say blessed blessed Ash Wednesday for to you, Pastor. Um, we're hoping that maybe. You know, doing the imposition of ashes and stuff today will kind of bring some people out of the, out of wherever they've been staying and uh, to come get get some food and and hang out with us. But uh, all of that to lead into what our what our topic is for today, which is uh, a sermon that Dietrich wrote. Do you have a date on that sermon? Nineteen thirty four. Nineteen thirty four. 
and uh, the, the title of the sermon is, is very simple. It's my strength is made perfect in weakness. And, you know, Lent, I think, uh, I think is a time where we focus on our weakness. Yeah. And we focus on, on, on Christ becoming, well, he wasn't really weak, but he became weak. He became one of us. He was, it was unorthodox, you know, the, the way that he was glorified. And yet we saw God's strength being portrayed in, in a moment of what looked to be weakness. So just a little background. Um, this is one of the few that we have that he preached in English uh, rather than... Which is probably why it has, <laughs> has a few errors in it. Yeah, rather than uh, a German sermon translated by an expert into English. And so, yeah, it's, it's not as smooth as some of his others, uh, I think, because just because it's a second language. But the background is that he had been at Bethel uh, working on something called the Barman Declaration as part of what became the Confessing Church, the uh, anti-state church. Mm -hmm. Um, And near Bethel was a uh, care facility for for the disabled, handicapped, and he was really uh, deeply moved and impressed by both the needs of the people there and their weakness, their absolute abject powerlessness in the face of their circumstances. Mm-hmm. So, 1934, deep breath. In four years, Hitler will begin his uh, Holocaust. He actually b- begins it with the disabled and uh, mm-hmm. euthanasia. And uh, as I was researching this a minute ago, and it kind of got kicked off by this is so contemporary, by a set of parents who wanted legal permission to kill their child because the child was a burden and uh, they were not willing to uh, care for the child. Uh, you, you said that's that's incredibly contemporary. Uh, yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> now we're, we're, we just had a vote. That's, that's literally what abortion is. Yeah, we just had a vote. 48 out of the whatever members of the Senate voted for the right to kill the baby after it's born. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, it took 60 votes and it didn't uh, pass, but yeah, it tells you where we're going. Um, yeah. yeah. And as I'm talking to you about this, I'm thinking, I told Tyler about this, went to take a blood test, routine blood test, and sitting out in the hallway and there was a young mother, 30-ish, young, young side of 30, and she had a less than two-year-old uh, a Down syndrome child, and I was thinking, uh, first of all, how rare it is nowadays for a mother to have a Down syndrome child, and uh, how much love there was between the two. Then a little later, I was inside the lab and heard her talking to the uh, uh, technician, and she mentioned that she had adopted this baby, and I said, "Oh mm-hmm. my gosh!" Yeah, talk <laughs> about countercultural. I, I my first reaction was, "This is sainthood." Yeah, you said this is a different level of sainthood. Yeah, wow. Um, so Hitler will go on to he got enough difficulty he stopped the euthanasia, uh, but thousands of uh, residents of these care facilities were eliminated. Um, they had no rights. They were 
given showers that were gas. Wow. In other words, they tried out their future system for the Auschwitz and, and whatever uh, on disabled people. So Bonhoeffer didn't know all that was going on. But his impression about the need for the church to stand up and uh, be a voice for people who are uh, powerless and suffering is really running through this sermon. Mm-hmm. Well, he says he says that the Bible directs us to you know from from prison. You know that this this idea of powerlessness, and he actually writes from prison about ten years later um, that the Bible directs us to God's powerlessness and the suffering, and it's only the suffering God can help the suffering. And I think that's that's kind of the launching point for his for his sermon is relating these struggles, these weaknesses, these sufferings this helplessness to the fact that it's only the suffering God in Christ that can help. You know, a a buzzword nowadays, maybe more powerful than buzzword, is the word privilege, um, where you have power over the other group of people who are the... Oppressed? Oppressed, yeah, Yeah. and are powerless. um, And the efforts of the efforts that some people are willing to extend to which they're willing to go to uh, reverse that uh, invert that Um, but powerlessness is kind of a feature of normal life on planet earth I didn't say it was right or I just said normal Mm -hmm. we go to the 7 billion of us that are scattered across the planet there's not many who are privileged not many that are comfortable. Uh, most people are on that knife's edge of life and death, and uh, kind of like we would say, barely scraping by. Yeah. So the question is, how does the church, the real church, the invisible church, those who follow Christ, those who take up their cross and follow Christ, uh, I would say even and. and injecting something into Bonhoeffer's uh, idea, but yeah, we're not following the triumphant cross, triumphant Christ, we're following the Christ who is dragging his cross uh, to Mount Calvary. How do we as a church uh, deal with the hopeless and the powerless and the sick and the suffering uh, that's going on around us? How are we to or how do we? How do we is a good place to start? Yeah, I was just going to say because those are two vastly different things. Um, certainly, certainly the church. Uh, you know, we have my one of my. I, I was going to say well, okay. When I say my favorite thing, I whenever I say that, unless I say like I actually this is actually one of my favorite things. I don't. I always mean it in jest. One of my favorite things is when I go to a church and they've got all of like their caring ministries and they're like, here is where we do this, this, and this, and. And, and I'm like, okay, are you, are these care, what are we doing for these caring ministries? Are you just, like, how are you actually caring for them? Or are you just putting them on the, on, on your board and telling people that you care for them? Like, for instance, you know, obviously family of God tends to be on the, uh, the receiving end of a lot of caring ministry in, in churches, right? And we're very grateful for that. Um, but I think it's, it's, 
we both kind of roll our eyes uh, when we go to big conferences and it's just us and we're sitting there and organizations <laughs> bring us up. <laughs> They're like, oh, we we partner with, with Family of God and we're like, We've, are you? <laughs> we've never seen you. We've never seen. We've never seen a check from you. We've never seen anybody re- that's represented that's ever that's ever represented you. But you're claiming that we help you um, because it looks good. It looks good to have all of these different caring in quotes caring ministries. And there are a lot of churches that that do very very well with this. Um, one of the the churches that that comes to mind is one of our supporters, uh, St. Paul in in Northville. You know they've they've got a caring ministry where they are they have a they have a room in their church that is dedicated to the I think we talked about this before these blessing bags where they they take all of these things out and and they've got people that go and they talk to the women and the people that are on the streets and they give them a bag and they pr- they stop they pray they talk not only that but they help they do things with us a family of God it's just really really cool to see that you know they have a caring ministry that truly is about caring for the oppressed, the, the, those that, that aren't privileged, uh, quote unquote, um, because, you know, they're, the, the privilege that we're talking about is, you know, these are people who have, who are less, less fortunate, I think is a, is a word gets used more often, right? A phrase, the less fortunate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're actually, they see the need, they do something about it. And that's just, that's just not the case, I think, for, for for churches, um, nobody wants to really have. They get they get more annoyed when the disabled person is in their congregation, or the hurting person is in their congregation, or the mentally ill person is in their congregation. You know, making noises during church service, and they're like, "Why can't we just get this kid out of here? Or get this person out of here?" And meanwhile, I'm like, "That's that's a person that that Jesus came and died and loved, and you want them out of here." because they just rather not deal with it. They, they kind of want to have a, I'm, I don't, do not take this literally. They almost take that German approach where they're like, it's better if they're not here. Yeah. Um, just to back up for a little bit. Yeah. Part of the context of, of the Germany that he's living in is the Weimar Republic that was powerless against uh, the forces that were tearing it apart. And then the promised uh, powerfulness of Hitler and his Nazi uh, um, thugs, their attraction was we can break the bonds of slavery and uh, not literal slavery, slavery, but bonds of slavery and poverty and hopelessness and we can give you full employment. Famous line, we can make the railroads run on time. Um, and that was part of the initial appeal. People felt powerless, and Hitler offered them power and uh, apparent autonomy. Mm-hmm. But go back t- to your thought. And, and well, you uh, don't see that in 2021, <laughs> no, do you? No, I'm, I don't want to be arrested. So. Yeah, same. <laughs> um, but you get the point. He's saying um, there's a problem with this word benevolence. Ooh, benevolence. How can there be a problem with the word benevolence? That's a fancy word. Benevolence is the powerful reaching down and giving, we'll just be polite, uh, from their excess to, uh, uh, quote, again, unquote, help the uh, 
the less fortunate. So I think you're kind of describing that in certain church circumstances. I mean, he, he, Bonhoeffer is really hard against Christian benevolence because it's preserving your position of power uh, while um, saving your conscience and saying you're doing Christian things to help mm. these uh, these people that I really don't want anything to do with right. on a personal, social, uh, I don't want them part of our church, and uh, I'm talking more than necessary. But here, okay. I remember ta-da, 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 when you were probably in sixth grade um, being at a church that participated in a rotating shelter for homeless people. and uh, Oh, my church did that. Yeah, a lot of churches do in... in uh, in, in Michigan. The point is that this church always had the week of Christmas and made a point of inviting the homeless um, to the Christmas Eve service, but they set apart special pews in the back and made them sit apart. <sighs> nice. Well, oh, they invited them. Do you call that segregation? Yeah. And... Uh, uh, just to be frank, the people that are in these programs, the homeless that are in these programs are like they've been heavily vetted and they you know they are, smell all right, most of them had jobs I mean they were not anything like the typical person who walks through our door right yeah they would have been eliminated by those rotating shelters right. not not we ain't helping you yeah uh, no I'm, I'm familiar with those groups yeah yeah. I can. I'm still flabbergasted. I mean, I, I did was a member of that church. Made a fuss. A member of the church leadership made a fuss, and they didn't ever do it again. But they saw nothing wrong with setting them apart. Uh, uh, and it was so James. Uh, I don't remember the chapter. Rich man and his ring, and oh, yeah, you come you, sit you at come my feet. You come sit at my feet. Right, right, right. Right. So that's James two. Yeah, that powerlessness. Uh, it's like it's a disease, you know, if I let you get too close to me, I might catch what you have. It's like COVID before there was COVID, right? <laughs> they were clearly uh, not welcome within the actual worship service. So on a lesser scale, sometimes that's what happens uh, in our own churches. The weak and the powerless come in, they feel immediately, I would use the word marginalized. Mm-hmm. And then you're lucky if they'll ever come back. because. Yep. Uh, so the Bible verse he uses here is uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My strength is made perfect in weakness. That's St. Paul speaking. Um, and I'm going to add a Bible verse just to uh, maybe supplement or augment that verse. Uh, it comes from John 15 where Jesus says, Apart from me you can do nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the bo- between those two verses, to me, it's saying that only we have to relinquish our illusion or maybe delusion of power uh, and privilege in order to allow Christ to work through us. Um, because while we're doing things from our own strength, there's you know no glory to God in that at all, uh, right. and if we can't do it in our own strength, we want to 
we don't want to in our humanness we don't want to be involved at all mm-hmm. yeah. you know I, I don't mind oh he he needs a new pair of boots oh that's great I'll have Amazon Prime deliver them to you tomorrow mm-hmm. okay does that meet a need yeah at, at, at your convenience yeah should also bring up uh, sheep and goats Matthew 28 uh-huh. 5 25 25 where he talks about uh you do things for the least of these, you've done them for me. I think even though Bonhoeffer isn't referring to that, um, he's saying in 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 the subtext that we need to see the holiness of the sacredness of uh, being able to serve Christ by serving those who are. Um, unable to care for themselves so and that is so difficult um, it's difficult down here we're in it day and night and I have to admit sometimes when certain person comes in I say oh my gosh <laughs> not again yeah same and it's it's not that they don't have needs but there's there's this line where you wonder you know I, am I being manipulated? The answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the nature of any drug addict is going to manipulate you. Yeah. Well, we walk that we walk that line every every night. I feel like, you know, what is and this is what we tell our our volunteers too. And we've got, like I said, we've got some very incredibly generous uh, and loving volunteers. And uh, a lot of the times, we end up, you know, part of our ministry. I think here is to coach our volunteers because. And our our people, they they know it's almost like it's almost like they can smell the fresh meat, right? They know when somebody isn't experienced. Like we don't typically get, and I mean it's rare now. I think when we have somebody try to manipulate us with a story, I mean it has to. I mean they really have to try to, you know, master masterfully weave together this story that they've rehearsed probably over and over and over again to even get us to consider something like that. Um, but our 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 volunteers a lot of the times simply you know they they just they hone right in and will tell the 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 story and yeah and the battle that that we have all the time is are you helping or are you are you enabling and uh, a lot of the times down here you know helping helping ends up actually being enabling and and it's not to say that you shouldn't help your neighbors. It's not to say that you shouldn't meet the needs because you should. Um, but at, one, at what point, you know, I think we talked about this not too long ago when Jesus is talking about, you know, giving, you know, giving your, giving the cloak off your back and things like that and giving money to the person that begs of you. Like these were actually, those were actually homeless people and poor people that didn't have, they didn't have heroin <laughs> back then, right? They didn't yeah. have, you know, it was just those things it was you didn't have to consider all these other things like they were legit and you know nowadays you know there's there's you have to you have to be smart because you can actually do more harm than 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 not um so you just got to be you just got to be thinking about it and that's one of the things that i think is a big struggle here is is doing just that yeah certainly though because then you feel guilty if you don't and you're like well what if they are actually telling the truth (laughs) Well, you know, sometimes, like I say uh, sarcastically, 
you know, that's the sixth grandmother that you told me that you have to go to the funeral right, for. Right, right. How and many you the, do you, you have? Need, <laughs> and you need the $8. Yeah. $8 being the price of a particular uh, hit. So there's a certain, in our time, in our world, there's a certain, uh, we can get perhaps a little callous about uh, uh, some of these needs that are, are thrust in our face. And uh, I guess more than once, the choice has been made here, uh, usually by me. Let's err on the side of the gospel. And uh, maybe if you really have to have this, we'll go buy it for you. Yep. Because I ain't giving you you cash because I'm not stupid. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You weed out a lot of people that way, too. Yeah. So there was a time when we had, for instance, we had a free prescription program. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was just wonderful. <laughs> um, but very quickly, it turned from, from before we had it, it was, oh, I need $8, $6, $10 for my copay. I don't know, dozens of times a week. Yeah. And as soon as we had a free prescription, in other words, we had an arrangement with a local uh, pharmacist Hey, I would sign my. I signed a business card, send the person over, and he would uh, uh, deduct the copay from money that we preset there. The need for copays just kind of vanished. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's funny it's how just, that works. Huh? Yeah. So we have to be, I guess, wise. But uh, in the end, he says here, he's saying suffering is holy, weakness is holy. And he's drawing on Christ to say that. Mm-hmm. Why is he drawing on Christ? Well, he says that that you know, he says, what is the reason for this new conception of the meaning of weakness in the world? Why is suffering holy? And he says simply, it's because Christ, because Christ suffers in the world at the hands of, of of humankind, and and he has to suffer at our hands again wherever he comes. Uh, you know, God God suffered on the cross, which is which is why. All human suffering and weakness share in God's own suffering and weakness in the world. So Dietrich then goes on to, to say that that when we suffer, God suffers much more. And that our God is simply a suffering God. And I, I'm drawn to the to the verses that, you know, when Paul talks about how we're, you know, being united in you know, in a crucifixion like Christ, we're united in a baptism like Christ, we're united in a resurrection like Christ. We are united to Christ, and when you are united to Christ, you are also united to him in, in your sufferings. It's not to say that because you're a Christian, you should expect to be crucified, literally crucified, right? But what that what it means is that the suffering that we endure, especially suffering for righteousness' sake, um, sometimes sometimes you're suffering because you made a stupid mistake, right? You're, you, you're suffering because you're a jerk. <laughs> but... You know, the times when you're suffering for righteousness sake, when you are being persecuted because you are a Christian, I mean truly persecuted, that you, you can take heart because Christ, you are united to Christ in that because Christ also suffered. And Christ actually suffered so much more because when Jesus was on the cross, not only was he crucified, not only was he beaten, not only was he bloody, not only was he crowned with thorns, not only did he watch as people cast lots for his clothes, not only was he hung naked on the cross, but he experienced the complete separation of God the Father. 
the father turning his back on him and that is suffering beyond anything else that can ever be imagined. I mean, that's that's literally the definition of hell is not being in the presence of the father. And in Jesus, Jesus suffered that. He went through that. And when he bows his head and he says that it is finished, I mean, this is what this is what Lent this is what Lent draws us to to return to that. So I would say, uh, in Jesus' context, going to Philippians two, he chose the path of suffering. Yes, deliberately and you know, with benevolence of forethought, he chose the path, and then bids us to follow. But um, those in and around us that are in this category of weakness, and so I'm going to roll all the way back to that little Down syndrome child. That child did not choose to be born in that state, Mm -hmm. and there's nothing that can be done to overcome that state, really. I mean, there's only on the margins. But Mama chose, adopted Mama chose this path of suffering, and I I have no idea that whether she's a Christian or not, but I would be absolutely shocked if she wasn't a Christian um, because she chose the path of suffering just as Christ chose the path of suffering. And again, my reaction to her is what she's doing is holy, just as what Christ d- did for us is holy. Yeah. Well, she looked at she looked at this child, and if she if she adopted the child, it means the child's an orphan. So not only does this child first and foremost does this child not have you say it was a boy or a girl, little boy, little boy. So she looked at this at this little boy, and not only does this does this little boy not have not have parents, which in and of itself is 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 hard. And an adoption in any I, I have friends that have that have adopted kids and. You know the the one of the most painful experiences for for one of the guys that I know that's gone through this was when his his youngest his young son who he viewed as his son because he was legally his adopted son to try to get his own way looked at him and said you're not my real dad you know so you've got the you know being a being an adoptive parent being that parent like that that comes with its own set of challenges to add on top of that a child that is mentally challenged somebody with down syndrome and to choose to, to to undertake an orphan that also has down syndrome you're not signing up for an easy life no and you're signing it's up going for to get harder challenges. and harder right right exactly and then because down syndrome children they don't they don't they only they don't grow to live lives into their 60s 70s 80s not normally right no not normally and you know and um, and that's that's so yes again that's one of the the things that impressed me with her, I know beating this a little to that, it's not that she said, I have a Down syndrome child, I'm keeping him. Right. She chose him, adopted him. Wow, kind of like Christ chose us and adopted us. <laughs> despite, right? Really despite Yeah. all the stuff that she could anticipate. And I bet you they told her, you know, mm-hmm. this is what you can look forward to. And she said, Yes. Yep. And and I would anticipate that that's a that that would be a response yeah. to the call of of, of Jesus. Jesus. Yes, here, yes out of love, not yes out of duty or yes yeah. out of I really here, want to suffer. Right. Here is 
here is a child that needs a home and I'm choosing you to be this to be this child's parent and it gets back to what we've talked about before you can say yes you can say no I think we mentioned this before Dietrich Dietrich closes the sermon talking about how God is glorified uh, in the weak as God in Christ is glorified on the cross and God is mighty where humanity is nothing I think that's kind of our encouragement to you especially as we are looking towards Lent uh, maybe maybe just just He's not glorified in us being weak. Right. He's glorified in us giving our surrendering our weakness to him so that he can work in us and through us. Yes. Uh, despite our weakness. So it's in the, us allow, allowing us to be his conduit or being his conduit to a, achieve his purpose that glorifies him. Yes. agree with that. Yeah, we, all, we see it all the time. You know, oh, look, I'm... God called me to be a um, lead singer in the church choir because I love to sing. Yeah, well, okay. And while you love to sing, I'm sorry, I'm probably insulting somebody who's not getting me. the glory. Right. You may say it's God. Also, you may not even be that good. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. We hear people sing here that you probably would not put in your church choir. But they love to sing. And they love God when they're singing. And I think, okay, I'm sure the Holy Spirit's fixing this before it gets to the throne of God. Right. Yeah. So, so. we have a tendency to want to, to serve God out of our strength when often what God actually calls us to is to serve him in the very points of our weakness where we say, I can't do that. And then God says, but I can. But I can. Absolutely. I am the like 20 years ago I probably still today you're the least likely guy I'd ever send to this kind of place because you know you stand for everything in opposition to what God is asking you to do but yeah then I can say 20 years later well <laughs> it wasn't me <laughs> right no it never is yeah. and you know I just you know we just uh, we just gave uh, we just gave Alex we've talked about Alex before we just gave Alex a stole and we both wrote verses on the inside of the stole a stole that he'll wear when he's ordained and um, one of the things that I wrote the thing that I wrote on the back of his was when, when Jesus is talking to Peter and he said Peter gives this great confession and then Jesus says to him upon you upon this confession I will build my church. It's never us. It's never you. It's always Christ. It's always Jesus that is working. It's always Jesus that is working through nothing. Um, I've I've said this. I've said this before here. at family of God. Uh, that God's God's best ingredient that He uses <laughs> is nothing. <laughs> That's the best thing that God uses. It's what He used to create the world. It's what he used to to bring his to to conceive out conceive no, wait Christ. Wait, think about that. What he made man out of dirt, not nothing. Okay, he well, I mean the, the, <laughs> the whole world itself when he spoke yeah. the world into existence. Yeah, maybe that's why we're imperfect. Yes, absolutely. use something instead <laughs> of nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. Um, but yes, so that's that's God. God loves to use nothing. He loves to use in you know in impos- seemingly impossible situations. He loves to use weakness. Because that's where he is glorified, and we see that ultimately oh, at the cross. So they're going to sit there, unable to sleep tonight, because they don't know what I wrote on the stole. So what, so did, what did you write? write on the stole? 
Galatians 2.20, but I only wrote the second half because everybody remembers the first half and they don't pay attention to the second half. <laughs> I have been crucified with Christ, right? Mm-hmm. No and longer I no longer live, live, but Christ lives in me, and that's where the memory verse usually ends. Right. But it goes on to say, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, and this always gives me pause, who loved me and gave himself. Mm-hmm. That's the motivation. Why am I following Christ? Because he loved me and gave himself for me. And, he gave and himself if I were Luther, I'd write unconditionally, right? Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gave himself for you, too. And and that's, I think, our encouragement is if you're going through a we- weakness, which I'm sure we all we all go through those, those moments, be encouraged uh, because Christ has come for you. He has died for you. He has risen for you, and he is coming back for you. And if nobody today on this, well, it'll be after Ash Wednesday when you when you hear this, but if no one's told you yet today, always remember that God loves you, and so do we. Take care, everybody. Jesus Teacher Me is a Family of God Lutheran Church podcast. Thank you again for tuning in for today's episode. We are so grateful for each and every one of you who listen, uh, those of you that support the ministry and the podcast. If you want to find more about the ministry, you can go to www.fogdetroit.com. All kinds of ways that you can donate, be involved, uh, and financially support us, and we'd really appreciate that. Thank you all for tuning in for today. We hope that you have a great weekend.